windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got game him. Winning. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. JJ German for the win. He got it. JJ German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Hello and welcome to the Friday edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. It is homecoming weekend. ETSU versus the running, they are the running, running Bulldogs of Gardner-Webb. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher with you as we finish up this week's edition of shows. We'll have the route tree Austin Herrick with us. We'll obviously have our bold predictions. I'm already 1-0. We'll talk about that a little bit later on okay. as we get to know again. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, have to pull up the tag. You fall for it. Yeah. It happens. All right, let's talk a little Gardner-Webb. Certainly uh, the running Bulldogs, uh, you look at the schedule, Mike, I think the first thing that jumps out to me, the fact that they played at the time, they were two top ten FCS teams, certainly Appalachian State. We don't have to explain fans around here what uh, type of program they have. They played Western Carolina. That was probably their most uh, nip-and-tuck game besides the non-Division one game that they won. But uh, it's been a tough go for Gardner-Webb. Been hit with a mar, uh, just a ton of injuries. And then they've decided to do the youth movement because actually a guy that played quarterback, uh, Brody Rollins, against ETSU back in 2015, actually has been moved to wide receiver to allow the freshmen to sort of just take their lumps this year to, to make them better. 70, I think, underclassmen on the 90-man roster. All four quarterbacks on the rosters, three redshirt freshmen and a freshman, so certainly a young team coming in here Saturday. Yeah, I mean, all the storylines coming in are youth, injuries, and then a difficult schedule for Gardner-Webb. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry for them, right? Jordan Smith, the quarterback, seven interceptions so far this year as a redshirt freshman are going to take your lumps, right? 71% of the roster is underclassmen. 31 of the 46 on the two deep are underclassmen. So it's not like they're playing all 24 seniors and juniors. They're getting a lot of guys' experience, and many of those underclassmen are out there uh, you know, doing work for Carol McRae's squad, and they have run into just some very good football teams. And so I think that if you look at one game that this one could be like, I think it would probably be the Western Carolina game uh, because I think ETSU, if you came into the year and said, ETSU is going to be on par with Western Carolina. Do you think that would have been fair? Do you think you would have been happy about that, upset about that? I think you would have been okay with that with a, a preseason evaluation. Of course, right now, ETSU, thankfully for us, thankfully for the team, thankfully for the school in Johnson City, it's awesome. Everything's going a lot better than we would have anticipated coming into the year. But that game was 21-10 to 10 going into the final minutes. And, of course, then Western Carolina adds another touchdown, makes the final 28-10. to 10. But I by no means think this is going to be a one-sided blowout. I think it could be a tighter game. But I do think ETSU has a two- or three-touchdown advantage by the end of the day. Well, I think it's going to be a situation where if ETSU could get out to an early lead like they did last week against Chattanooga, I think Gardner-Webb's taken so many lumps, there's a chance that the game could get out of hand. There's a chance. Now, will ETSU keep the foot on the pedal? How will Gardner-Webb respond? 
and but like most games, you know, when you're under, like ETSU, if you are allowed to hang around, you know, then it's a nip and tuck game. And ETSU has won so far their fair share of nip and tuck games. But you know, traditionally speaking, there's only so many of those you can pull out. You know, unless it's your championship run. Last year, I think Wofford had five games decided by seven points or less, uh, and we're able to pick all those up. But that's unusual that a team would go five and zero in the five games that that are like that. It's just not normal, uh, and so uh, you just don't want them hanging around a lot. That would be my thing. I think if ETSU could have the defense start the way they did last week, the offense put some points up on the board. I kind of asked jokingly to Coach Sanders Wednesday, "Hey, what was that like to have a a lead?" I, I couldn't think of the right yeah. wording, but what, what what did that feel like when you had the lead? And so he was like, "Well, it was something different, one," and, and was good to go. But he was mad they didn't, st- you know, put the foot on the gas. I think that could be an issue this week too. Yeah, and the other part of it is with Gardner Webb. You look at all the youth they have. Carol McRae told us in our conversation that we aired yesterday that he needs to be positive with this team, and he's really emphasized boosting them up, not cutting them down a lot because of that youth and because of the inexperience. He really thinks that being positive is a huge thing for this team, and if you get on them early, how does that positivity stick with them, or does it run away? Speaking of running Bulldogs, is it fleeting because you are down early and you're just like, oh, here we go again. You know, This is another team that's on the rise in ETSU. We can't compete. It's 14 nothing after 10 minutes. They just like that Chattanooga game. And you look and say, well, uh, you know, if you're those players, uh, you maybe start to just mail it in. So a big start against a team like this, and of course, Randy Sanders says that it's true, a big start is always what you want. But Carol McCray emphasizing that positivity, that to me, if you're Randy Sanders and company, gives a little bit of a blueprint on exactly how you want to go about this game. Put a lot of emphasis, come out flying, really put some pressure on the quarterback, try and force some mistakes stakes and hopefully for ETSU get out to an early lead and then as you said put a game away I think that's the next step for Randy Sanders and feeling comfortable with this group yeah and I you know I think he's pretty candid about it that, yeah. that, that's what he thought that you know he keeps saying learn how to win a lot of people are like well coach you're four and one you're winning yet but that's that's there's still a mentality there right I mean you know let's just use basketball we've seen uh, uh, Coach Brittany Zell. We've also seen Coach Steve Forbes. Their teams, when they get up seven, eight, ten points, sometimes will get it to a fifteen, twenty, twenty-five point lead, and then it's just cruise control the rest of the way. So I, I think that's what he's talking about. You know, have a chance in a fourth quarter to maybe get some backups in there, save some of the starters some snaps. I think he would love that because already twice this season you're talking about the defense playing 83 and 86 snaps. And, yes, the number ones um, and and even some number twos are are solid, but there's going to be a certain point in time where, you know, if there's something going down or you haven't got other players, some reps, some this, how's that going to cost you? Or just fatigue as a normal season, especially with ETSU not getting a bye week till uh, next to last season, right? Or next to last week, I should say, right before their 11th game. They're finally going to get a bye before the last one. And so uh, things just change. So it'd be nice to have an opportunity for ETSU to have a lead, a big enough lead that they could, uh, you know, maybe let Nasir player take a series off here and there or run some extra guys out there on the field. I think that would be important. Now, that being said, they certainly just can't show up. I think that's the, the misconception. I think that you look at records off oh, 4-1, and 1-4, one, one and four, and, yeah. you know, I, I think you got to dig a little deeper than well, that. Well, and Randy Sanders is a smart guy, right? I think you and me both agree on that. He I'll go know, with that. He knows that this team is a couple plays here, a couple plays there from being 1-4. and four. You win by eight points in three games, like you said. It's very rare to come out on the uh, better end of every single close game. So he knows that this team, while it is 4-1, and 3-0, oh, still does have some work to do. And he talked about the work that has been been done in your uh, coach's show on Wednesday over at Wildwind Cafe, having a chance to run some of those bites today. And he emphasized smartness and how the team he believes is starting to come around. 
we're beginning to play smarter. There's still a whole lot of smarter we can play. I can promise you that. But uh, the guys are playing hard, and, and it's amazing. If you play hard and you play with heart and you have a desire and you have a belief, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And we're a great example of that the last couple of weeks. Our guys are playing hard. They believe they're going to win. That, that, that's, that's the first step. Now we we got to continue doing those things and just learn to play smarter and, and be more consistent and be more uh, disciplined in what we're doing. And, and once we do all those things, I, I, I would love to see how good we can actually be. It can kind of cut both ways, right? Because great teams win the close games. I think you'd agree with that. You beat who you're supposed to beat. And when you start to really get to be from good to great, you start to beat those teams that maybe pull an upset or two and then win the close games. But then you can also say, well, you know, you are a couple plays from being one and four. So it really is depending on how you look at it. You can put it in a number of scopes. Well, and I think, you know, we've, we've talked about it a lot, but good to great, that's, that's where it goes, right? Yeah. If you can win those tight games because, you know, in a normal year, there'll be a couple games normally that you win pretty handily. There could be a, a nor, you know, for a good team, there's a, a number, a couple of games where you lose by a good bit, uh, you know, maybe, you know, 14 points, give or take here or there. And then the rest of those games are going to be, you know, a one possession, you know, fourth quarter type game. That's Who's going to win those? And, and that's yeah. where, you know, do you finish with a, a nine and two mark if you win all of those or, uh, you know, maybe eight and four uh, or eight, depending on what year it is, eight and three, eight and four, depending if it's 11, 12 game schedule. But that, that's sort of the difference. And if you're below 500 in those, you know, you're, you're a below average team. But, you know, if you go three and three in those six games, then all of a sudden you're, you're maybe six and five or five and six. And, you know, you're just a good team like we talked about. And I think that's the difference. If you can win those tight games, that's where, the, just like Wofford last year, the five times they played a, a single-digit game, they were 5-0. and oh, And, you know, they undefeated in the conference, go to yet another playoff, host yet another playoff game as a ranked team, as one of the top eight seeds. And two years ago, if you think about it, they were uh, uh, really a play away in overtime from playing a national championship game against James Madison. So yeah. that's where the Bucks are striving, right, to be that great team to make sure that they win those tight games. And regardless of how you think about ETSU start, they are winning games. That is the important thing. They're getting W's next to their name uh, coming out of every Saturday. ETSU hopes to do so again. Randy Sanders, though, doesn't think this one will be easy. These guys are a good football team, and, and they're much better than their record. As you mentioned, they played uh, Appalachian State. They played Western Carolina, and that was a tough game. Uh, North Carolina A&T, who I, personally, I'm not sure they're, they may not be better than Appalachian State from a talent standpoint. They, they've got some good players, and uh, you know that game, I think, was 14-6 uh, right before halftime. Um, so it, it, we're, we're going to have to go out and play well. We certainly can't assume anything, and um, we're, we're, we're not. I promise you, as coaches, we're grinding on this thing as hard as we have any of them. And that's good to hear, right, if you're an ETSU fan. Yeah, and I, I think I, I like the, the candidness of uh, just going out there and saying North Carolina A&T had some players. That, you know, because, yeah. again, co Coach uh, watched the tape. And I'll say this. I've been told this before, um, you know, Good teams, or I should say, bad teams can hang with a good team for a half, right? Because in football, you know, you you can kind of hang in there, but eventually, it's the depth, right? It's a, it's the athleticism and depth as the game gets going. It eventually separates itself in almost every sport. Whether you're talking about, um, again, we talked basketball a little earlier. You know, you can see maybe you hang with a top 25 team if you're a mid-major team for a half, and all of a sudden, the second half is just all of a sudden the depth and. You know, uh, the six, seven, eight, nine guy coming off the bench is is a lot better for the power as opposed to that. Same thing when uh, you see uh, Sanford, for an example, and they're at Florida State, right? Eventually, 
the depth and the athleticism of Florida State, even though it may not be a great Florida State team, ended up taking over. Same thing. I think Gardner-Webb's got enough talent to hang in there the first half and hang around. Now they've just not been able to, to do it for four quarters, and that's going to be – that's why I think the start of the game is so important for this one because I think if Gardner-Webb can hang around, more common let's, – let's be honest about it. If you're Gardner-Webb and you look at Western Carolina that was uh, uh, picked middle of the pack, certainly has one of the most dynamic uh, offensive players in the league in Tyree Adams. You look at Wofford, look at A&T, you look at App State, and you look at ETSU. Which one of those five do you think they were chalking up as probably right. a win before the season, right? right. They, they think they're coming to Green State. And I think that does something mentally, right, because it's just like VMI. Hey, we may only have one shot to get a win. This is the team that we beat when we played them last, so I think we can get a win. So I think they'll come in here a lot hungrier for to get that win here too as well. It's just a very difficult situation early on in the season for Gardner-Webb. They're just not equipped to hang with those top teams right now because of the youth, because of the injuries, etc. So the first two bites were about playing smart and Gardner-Webb. Let's combine the two. How does ETSU get that victory against Gardner-Webb? If we go out and play like we practice and take this game with the intensity that we should, I, I, f- I feel good about uh, where we'll be. If we go out there and think we're going to cruise through it and get lackadaisical, it, it'll be a long, hard, tough day. Yeah, Austin Herring said a very similar thing in the Monday press conference. He's going to join us in a few minutes on the route tree. Just have to make sure that you're not looking past Gardner-Webb. It's homecoming. I don't think Randy Sanders has let ETSU, their mind wander at all, it seems like, this year. And they've seemed very focused for all 60 minutes of every game that they played, minus maybe a couple minutes against Tennessee. But, I mean, that's going to happen, right, uh, in, in a game like that after the lightning delay and yada, yada, yada. So uh, I think that Randy Sanders and this team do have the right mindset coming into the game, which, once again, should lead, you would imagine, at least looking on paper, and the game isn't played on paper, they got to play it on the field, but if everything goes as it has so far this year, should lead to a fifth win. I think where Randy Sanders wants the program to go, uh, you could put it on cruise control certain games of the year, but I think we all clearly, even with your blue and gold goggles on yeah. as a fan and, and as we are broadcasters, I, I think we all know they're not there yet, right? right. They're, like, they're not good enough yet just to show up and assume a victory. I think they're going to have to compete, and I think that's I think that's ultimately what he was kind of getting to yeah. was the fact that you know, look, in reality, we're not good enough to assume we're beating anybody. And that's not an insult at all no, to the program. It's just knowing where they are in their maturation and realism. I, I, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's it's knowing who you are and what you are, right? So you know you are not in a state yet where you can just show up and the name on the shirt gets you a win. And we all know there's schools and games that that happens, that that a game is lost because the other team wearing whatever that is. uh, You know, when when a Southern Conference team walks into Alabama, right, it's it's over. Take James Madison earlier this year when they had the game cut short in a quarter. Basically, that team across the way from was like, well, it's James Madison. (laughs) Norfolk State. I mean, they they were down 17-0 at the end of the first quarter. Had a delay. The delay got longer, and they said, you know what? We're all right. They win. <laughs> well, and that was also probably because I think they played last year, and I think uh, like James seven, yeah, threw 77 seven. Yeah. on the board. So, I mean, it's a good reason. But, again, that game was one because ETSU's not there yet. Now, right. can they get there? Sure. Will this continue if they continue to win? That's also, let's be honest, that's going to help in recruiting. That's going to help in yeah. a bunch of other facets. Oh, yeah. It's going to help with the young guys who have been on teams that have won. You know, that's usually the issue is it's, it's hard when that first team – 
is learning and, and getting those wins. Then all of a sudden it gets a little easier that second year because those guys are used to winning. They know how to win, the taste of victory, right? That Not having that kind of uh-oh moment where if something doesn't go your way, you're like, oh, that's not going to go our way. You know, you, you have the deflation where we've all seen teams that we pulled for somewhere in your life oh, where yeah. you're like, as soon <laughs> as something often. happened, right? Yeah. I mean, as, as soon as a reliever comes in and, and the leadoff double, and you're like, that's it, we're not getting that. It's, yeah. it's, it's over. I mean, I, we've all seen those moments. We know what it's like. So I think that's ultimately what, what Randy Sanders is saying, and I think it's the right tune for the right team and how he needs to preach it, right? Here's the nice thing for the Bucks: They have something to play for every single week because they haven't had that history of success since the program has been back. Every game now from here on out is basically setting a new benchmark for success, right? I mean, last year there were four victories, and so we're going for number five this week. So you get number five, wow, we've set a new mark for the last two years, and then you had five victories the year before that. So if you get the sixth, then we've got the most wins since the program's been back, and if you get ranked, then how many you've been ranked, so now how many weeks can we stay in the ranking, so there's a new motivation every week, and that's the nice part about being on the come up, like ETSU so, is. Uh, before we take a break and, and get to Austin Herrick, I, just to piggyback that, yeah. if they win that game, it'll be the longest win streak since 1996. The longest win streak in school history is six games by a team that was 10-0 and one because they had a tie in the seventh game. So think about that. Wow. You, you still you could set. And that's way down the road, and there's a lot of things to go. But as goals go, yeah. I mean, the Grantland Rice team, uh, Grantland Rice Bull team that played Terry Bradshaw in 1969, was 10-0-1. They won their first six. The seventh game was a tie. And then it was an undefeated season. They were 10-0-1. And, and so that that's going to be tough as uh, you have to go undefeated to match that, right? You right. can't beat undefeated. Uh, you can match it, but you certainly can't beat it. So I think that's that's something that, that could uh, – that's another goal that's kind of sailed. But – Speaking of the two best teams in school history, 69 and 96, I mean, you got a chance to tie their mark uh, at 5-1 and one and win four in a row, which is, again, longest win streak. And in a couple more wins, you could actually tie the, the school's longest win streak. Think about that in just four years of, of football coming back and how impressive that would be. We're entering rarefied air, no doubt. All right, Austin Herrick, the route tree coming up is Sandos and the sidekick. Uh, it is the Friday edition before the Saturday homecoming contest. 3.30, don't forget that. And we now move to afternoon game times. 3.30 is when it will kick. We'll take the airwaves on the Buccaneer Sports Network at 2 o'clock. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can also download from those websites. You can easily go to SoundCloud or iTunes and just listen from those. You can also go to Twitter and click on that and listen as well. Or Facebook Live like we're doing today. You can go back to Facebook. So plenty of ways to engulf Santos and the sidekick. We just appreciate any of those ways that you can help support uh, ETSU, the fans, one of the podcasts. We've started the podcast, and so far I think most people have uh, given us great feedback on the podcast as well. Austin Herrick, the route tree. A couple segments with him right after this timeout on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Congrats. You made it. Through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day. You took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1,000,000. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! 
Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Yeah, I've been thinking about getting the band back together, but we need a new name. Ah, how about the Five Seasons? Nah, not raw enough. Chuck and the Prime Ribs? You don't get it, do you? Sorry, I'm a butcher. Ah, my bad. How about four New York strips? Now that's music to my ears. At Food City, our butchers are so good at what they do, you'll think they can do anything. Butchers make it better. Only at Food City. Ice T-Bone, the Beefy Boys, the Tenderizers. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, Sandoz and a sidekick as we are every Friday. We're joined by the ETSU quarterback, Austin Herrick. It is the route tree. We'll get into the official route tree portion of the show. As we always do the first segment with Austin, we backtrack to last week's game. And I'll tell you the big thing I uh, joked with Coach Sanders about was what his what he was feeling like in the locker room because we, we had something that was called a lead. I didn't know if he was used to that. And he, he joked and he was like, no, it was certainly good to have that. And then, of course, he immediately went into coach speak about how he's upset we didn't uh, step on the gas and all the usual things coach say. But what was it like to, to the defense get a couple three and outs and to finally get that first score on the board? Yeah, yeah, I think that was really big for our game and, and the momentum there, you know, to, to get that early touchdown. And um, then it followed up with another one and get up 17 nothing. Um, I think that kind of shocked Chattanooga. I don't think they expected that. And so um, us getting that far ahead, um, you know, w- was a really big deal in terms of how they had to play the game and how we had to, you know, adjust to that as well. ETSU uh, also uh, defense getting three turnovers in the first half. The second one, a big one, put it, you know, at the 10-yard line. And then I'm sure that makes uh, everything a little easier instead of having to go, you know, 60 to 80 yards uh, just to get the last 10. Absolutely, especially with Chattanooga's defense, I think. Um, after that game, just talking with the, the offensive line and the receivers, that's probably um, one of the most athletic defenses we'll play all, all year. So we have a lot of respect for those guys. And for the defense to shorten the field like that for us was uh, really big and getting that game going for us. 
Did Chattanooga do anything differently in that second half? Anything that you maybe didn't see, didn't plan for? It seemed like defensively they really did step up. Get them back in the game, of course. Thankfully, TSU holds on, gets the victory. But seemed like a bit more of a slog than in the first half, of course. Definitely. Um, they gave us some different coverages than we'd see in the first half. Um, a little bit more too high as opposed to one high coverages. So that was, uh, you know, that was, that was different. But mainly the thing that we have to worry about is executing what we do right. um, some of the things that happened there um, in the second half were just self-inflicted you know maybe not making the right read or making the right throw or converting a route that shouldn't have been converted and, and things like that were really uh, really holding us back so that was frustrating um, I think we've got most of those things corrected this week in practice so um, we'll see you know tomorrow how, how all that looks transitioning to this week we were joking off here before we came on on segment one of the route tree and you're saying, you know, I'm just so focused on football. I wouldn't even know it was homecoming until I saw the stage over in the Dome. So that just tells you the level of focus that everybody really has in this program right now, right? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it really doesn't feel like homecoming week to us, I don't think. I think it just feels like another week. And um, as we say, opponent six and opportunity six. So um, that's kind of where our focus is. Um, <clears throat> I know Gardner-Webb is one and four right now, but I don't think they're a one and four football team at all. Um, kind of like Furman, they came in here um, with not the best record, but you know that's a good football team. So Gardner Webb is really talented. Um, I know they've got a corner who's a really good ball player. I think he's number one. Um, and so you know this isn't going to be you know we just roll out the ball and, and go beat them. You know we're going to have to go play a full game and, and play up to our abilities, or uh, we could be in some trouble. Certainly the uh, ETSU offense uh, would have an opportunity. If you look, Gardner-Webb beat up a little bit on the front line. I know the Bucks have had a resurgence of the running game, and, and uh, that's been a focal point with Quay Holmes. You had Jacob Sailors back last week. Uh, it obviously makes your job as a quarterback or any quarterback a little easier if you can get some of those yards on the ground because then it opens up not just the drop-back passing, but certainly play action and everything else that, that goes into that. What was sort of the – without giving – you know, I'm not asking too many schematical questions here, yeah. but how important and how much to, were you guys working on some run things, run blocking, because it certainly might have an opportunity to have a big day on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the biggest difference between this year and last year offensively is us having a, a really solid run game. Last year we were one of the worst rushing teams in the conference. And, you know, that makes it really difficult to throw the ball because obviously, you know, they can, they can just sit back there and drop eight guys into coverage and, and dare you to run the ball. Um, now we have a pretty balanced attack with being able to run the ball and throw it. So, you know, this week it was just kind of back to the basics, you know, cleaning up some things where, um, you know, last week in the second half we didn't execute right. And, you know, going back to some of the things we worked on in camp and really focusing on, hey, you know, this is something that may have you know, fallen by the wayside in, in the first five weeks of the season. How can we brush this up and get better at it? How many, and uh, not asking which plays, but on average, how many new plays go in a week? Because <laughs> I kind of feel like Coach Sanders, I mean, like once you started get drinking out of the water hose, I felt like he just walks over there occasionally and just keeps turning it and turning it and turning it. But I could be <laughs> yeah. wrong. Well, I mean, there's a, it's not really new concepts. There will be probably five or six new concepts a week. Um, but it's different wrinkles and different ways to get to run. And so you, somebody's seen the same look for a couple games, and they're like, all right, now we're going to – okay, I got Yeah, you. maybe run out a different formation or with a different motion or, you know, change who gets the ball or, or things like that. So um, – but that's all different. You know, you have to – you know, the procedural stuff is all different for me, you know, each week with these new plays. So getting used to that, and, and that makes it really – 
a huge emphasis on practice. You know, last year, um, a lot of us, you know, we knew the plays like the back of our hands. So there has a there has to be a high degree of focus every day in practice because this stuff is still relatively new. Speaking of practice, you get to see this defense every week in practice. What to you from the previous three years is different with this defense than you've seen before? Yeah, I think I think our defense is extremely dynamic, and I I could tell that from the beginning of fall camp. Um, I think this year, you know, there's really not much drop off between all three levels. Um, whereas in the past there may have been some drop off. I think we're pretty solid in the secondary, and then obviously our front seven is one of the best in the conference. So when you've got guys like Nasir Player and Blake Bockrath coming off the edges, and you got Dylan Weigel, who's you know been in this defense for five years now. Um, you know, he's going to get them lined up and get them in the right spot. So then it's just, you know, go out there and make the plays. And, you know, these guys have a great uh, rapport with Coach Taylor and, and the coaching staff. So um, I think there's a lot of things that, that bode well for them for the rest of the year. You talked a little bit in the press conference about how winning close games can affect not only a team but also what you really attribute that to with leadership and being veterans and having some guys around. It really seems like, and I don't know if you'd agree with this and we've talked about it, but going from good to great, you start to win those close games. And to win three in a row by three points or less, I mean, that is something really special. It seems like the team really knows what it needs to do regardless of where they are in the game and has done – gosh, I don't want to say everything perfectly down the stretch by any means, but has certainly known where the line is and not crossed it to win those close games. Yeah, you know, I think that's – it's good to win those close games. It's good that we've won, you know, three back-to-back-to-back. You know, that's big for us. But, you know, last week it kind of bothers me. I was talking with Matthew Pike about this last week – or actually last night. You know, we as seniors, as leaders, we have to be able to, you know, close a game out. You know, if we have another score right there, right after halftime, I, I think it completely changes the game. Um, and, you know, impose your will on a team. You know, you know, finish the game off so they're like, man, we really can't come back. You know, those are things that we have to do to take the next step. I don't think any of us on offense were happy with how the second half went last week. So, um, you know, for us, we instead of, you know, winning these close games, which is good, you have to do that to be a good team, you also need to, you know, finish off some games and close them out so it's not a nail-biter at the end like it was last week. So that's a whole other step that we have to take. And I heard you guys talking before, it's, you know, how, learning how to win. That's a whole other level of learning how to win. You know, you can win the game, but how did you win it? Did you stay executing for the whole duration of the game or did you, you know, have a good half and then, kind of, you know, fall by the wayside the second half. I'm just curious where you think this team is, because we can talk about it, right, as commentators and broadcasters, whatever, about where the team is in good versus great spectrum. And I have a feeling that you'll, you'll probably kind of downplay it, but you know what greatness looks like. You've seen a lot of it in the Southern Conference. You know, went to James Madison and played a lot of games against really top-level teams in the FCS and then even some of the FBS, too. Where do you think the line is from good to great, and where do you think this team is in approaching that? Well, I, I definitely think things are trending upward. Yeah. I've told you guys the whole year, I think, I can't wait to see us at the, en the end of the season because I think we'll be a lot better. Yeah. Just as an offense, we'll be a lot more familiar with what we're doing. Um, I can already tell now, you know, just within the last two weeks, how much better we've gotten in terms of, you know, understanding what exactly the coach wants us to do. He can draw a route up on the board, but do you really understand, you know, how that changes based upon how the defender plays you? So I think we're getting better in that aspect. Um, you know, I think the things that coach is kind of preaching – you know, within our culture as a team of opportunity six. It's not a game. It's not homecoming week. It's an opportunity to go out there and play. 
And, you know, a lot of the things he talks about is, you know, earning respect. Um, you know, I think there was some poll that had Chattanooga ranked in front of us. Um, so that's something where we think we just beat those guys, and they think that Chattanooga is still better than us. So we still have to go out and earn respect. So I think there's a few levels of, you know, closing out games like I was talking about and just executing at a higher level that we can do better. But I really believe we'll get there because we've got the pieces in terms of senior leadership, young, talented guys who are coming up who have played a lot of football. Um, and, yeah, I'm really excited to see what we do down the stretch. I was going to ask uh, a little bit more about Gardner-Webb real quick. Uh, are you aware – do you know who their defense coordinator is? Yeah, Coach Grimes. Yeah, because so Coach Grimes was uh, – Chris Grimes uh, played at uh, Tennessee Tech, uh, played I think one year maybe under Billy Taylor, then was graduate assistant, was on the Tennessee Tech staff, worked under Billy Taylor, was a sec, uh, I guess safeties coach mm -hmm. the first year of football here. Year. So you're very familiar with Coach Grimes. I, I've watched a little bit of film. Now, again, I'm a layman, but there's a lot of concepts I see in Gardner-Webb's ETSU, knowing that you're going – not all things – I'm sure he's throwing his own wrinkles here and there, but there's a lot of things that you've gone against for four or five years now that you may see out there. What does that do for comfort level for you? Yeah, you know, Coach Grimes is really cool to work with him that first year. He actually was teammates with one of my high school coaches, so um, we were able to, you know, talk about some good stories there. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously he coached with Coach Taylor, and he understands that defense. It's kind of the similar situation that – you know, we had with Wofford because Coach Ayers and Coach Taylor ran the same stuff. So, um, obviously, that scheme's really good. You know, most of the teams that run that scheme, that 3-4 scheme, um, have a lot of success, and it does create a lot of problems. Now, it helps being familiar with it because we've seen it since camp. Um, but these are different guys, you know, running different um, positions. And, you know, like Blake Bockrath is one of our guys. We call him – we would make a heavy call to Blake. Now – the, the guy for Gardner-Webb plays a little bit differently than Blake. So that will pose some challenges there. But I think it does help us in terms of our base stuff we put in against our base defense. So we can kind of get back to the basics in terms of that. So um, we'll see how it goes Saturday. But I, I think, like you said, that that'll help us be a little bit more familiar with what's going on. Well, we'll step up for a timeout. That was breaking down the game with uh, Austin Herrick. I know Mike Gallagher's just waiting for me to shut up, so we can uh, get on with the route tree. That's why we bring yes, Austin in here, and uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a second. Don't forget, you can download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Subscribe to the RSS feed. You can also uh, follow us. Uh, we, we don't have a specific Twitter handle, but if you do follow Buck Sports. Uh, Buck Sports Radio. If you follow us on Twitter, you can get the update on that as well. You can also go to Facebook Live as well. The Route Tree with Austin Herrick for this time out on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Nice Wonger Children's Hospital is proud to be the only hospital in the region dedicated to serving kids, teens, and their families. With over 20 subspecialists in pediatric medicine, as well as access to the Level 1 Trauma Center at Johnson City Medical Center, we are committed to providing hope and healing to you and your family. To learn more, visit NiceWongerChildrens.org. That's NiceWongerChildrens.org. The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. 
Here's the deal. At Wendy's, every hamburger is made with fresh, never-frozen beef. Now here's the big deal. You can get a day's double with a half pound of hot and juicy beef, along with small fries and a drink for just $5 when you download the Wendy's app. And the real deal? That's a whole lot of delicious Wendy's food for just $5. Download the app today. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson's Kidding locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still hosts from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Sandos and the sidekick back with you on this homecoming eve, if you will. It's Friday before the homecoming contest. Don't forget, 3.30 afternoon kick time, and the festivities will start early. Actually, it'll start tonight with the homecoming, not that Austin knows, but the homecoming parade, <laughs> and there's a concert and all kinds of stuff Volleyball going on. match. Volleyball at 6 o'clock, yeah. right, it's going on. So a lot of things to do on campus. Then in the morning, there's campus tours, all kinds of other stuff. There's a big alumni tent with some uh, food and all that good fun stuff, as you would imagine, with a homecoming game. At 2 o'clock, then the Buccaneer Sports Network radio coverage will start. 3.30, the kick time, ETSU and Gardner-Webb. And now I will shut up for Mike Gallagher. Go. Route tree. Okay, so if people haven't joined us before, this is how it works. Austin Heron, quarterback of the ETSU Buccaneers, has to diagnose route trees in his football life. He's going a certain professional direction in athletics, whether it be coaching, administration, etc., that he will have to go different routes on his professional decisions. So we decided to create the route tree for Austin Heron. So far... John Elway has gone to the Yankees. Brandon Whedon has gone to a landscaping career, a very successful one. And Tim Tebow, earlier in his life, went to the Mets rather than coming after a full football career. Went at like 22 years old uh, and won a World Series with the Mets breaking their long, long string. I think that it was, what, uh, like the exact... Uh, exact same situation as Buckner's between the legs. Uh, Tebow grounded it through Mitch Moreland's it, it legs. It's your made-up yeah. scenario, so you tell me. There's nothing made up yeah, about okay. it. This is this is facts in this segment, <laughs> at least. Uh, so we have questions for you this week, Austin Herrick. Basically, how it works is you answer them, and from those answers, you have chosen your route, and then we have scenarios for you: one that you chose, and one that went the other direction that uh, we go through anyway because I think it's fine. So, first question: Are you someone that sees something and must have it, regardless of the price? 
Uh, it depends, but I would say pretty much no for the G- most part. Generally no. There are exceptions, yeah. though. There are exceptions, Okay, yeah. but generally no. What are those exceptions? I mean, you have to give me an example. Okay, I, that's fine. I don't know off the top of my head. Car, house, just big, brilliant no, things. No, 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 no things like that. like that. No material things. No material things. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. That's perfect. That, that answers the question. Do you think the trees changing colors in the fall is the prettiest thing on earth? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. No. Fair enough. It's uh, they pretty, are, but not the prettiest thing on earth. That's a big statement. That's fantastic. Well, these, these questions are clearly very leading. Uh, I needed you to say no to the trees one, which is why I stated it in the way I did. So, Austin Herrick, you have... Chosen your route. Go right ahead. All right. No to seeing something and have. No, you don't read uh, that. Don't read that. (laughs) I, Bobby Bethard, CJ's grandpa, uh, general manager of the San Diego Chargers, would like to announce that despite considerable discussion, we will be standing pat at number three in the 1998 NFL draft as we have a quarterback we like later on. I can't say who, but I can tell you that in 20 years, budding talk shows in the mountains all the way across the country. We'll be talking about the San Diego Chargers for all the right reasons. And he proved it to be a prophet, didn't he? he we're, uh, we're talking about it right now. So in <laughs> case you haven't been able to diagnose exactly what's going on, it's the Ryan Leaf trade from mm-hmm. 1998 where the Chargers moved up one single spot for Ryan Leaf, gave up two first-rounders, a second-round pick, kicker turner Eric Metcalf, and linebacker Patrick Sapp. So Bobby Beathard would prove to be a prophet that day instead of the second most recognized Beathard in football to CJ. Uh, no no offense to Bobby, of course. CJ mm-hmm. is starting games, by the way, for the Niners now that Jimmy Garoppolo went down with an ACL injury and may God have mercy on the 49ers. Bobby Beathard would stand pat at number three. He'd see number two Arizona take the man they would eventually take at three in reality, Andre Wadsworth, who lasted only a couple of years in the league because of injuries. But Arizona would not get the ultimate prize of that deal, David Boston, the next year, and the team would continue on its downward trajectory never making the playoffs with Jake Plummer, though they only did make it once anyway, so really not a lot changes for Arizona. Uh, As for San Diego, they would draft Charles Woodson since they had no interest in Leaf, and he would turn into a cornerstone of the defense team with Junior Seau, RIP, and Rodney Harrison to form a feared trio that would build a foundation for Mike Riley. Remember, he was the head coach of the Chargers at that point from 1999 to 2001, and the Chargers would go on to win three Super Bowls behind the quarterback that San Diego waited until the sixth round to draft, Matt Hasselback, Bobby Beathard showing Miss Cleo-like psychic abilities uh, to, pl- to pluck Hasselback late, put him alongside LaDainian Tomlinson and see the Chargers never struggle in the postseason because Riley was the head coach, not Marty Schottenheimer, who would never have been hired and completely implode all the post-game cha- or postseason chances for the Chargers. As for Leaf, he would be taken by the Raiders with the fourth pick, who could not that believe their luck. Right. Who could not believe their luck with an aging Jeff George, Donald Hollis, and Wade Wilson, the QBs on the roster. They were desperately in need of a signal caller and Leaf with the great Tim Brown outside for him. Jerry Rice soon to, soon to come after that, and a backfield full of talent with Charlie Garner, Tyrone Wheatley, and Napoleon Kaufman, and others. The first couple years of Leaf in Oakland would be extremely successful. He would develop into a top five QB in the league, but would ultimately still have San Diego haunt him, losing in the AFC Championship game to the Chargers all three times they won a Super Bowl. So even though the scenario changes, the Raiders still come up short uh, of, uh, of winning a Super Bowl, as they did in reality to the Tampa Bay Bucks, and who were led by the former coach, of course, John Gruden. Uh, also in this scenario, because Rodney Harrison loves San Diego and Charles Woodson and the commitment to the Chargers, uh, the New England Patriots would never get Harrison, never win any Super Bowls. So sorry about that. They actually won what to tell Super you. Bowls without him. It doesn't matter. It's the scenario okay. is stands. It's I'm not, just glad it's that Mike point. Riley didn't go to Nebraska. I'm a Nebraska guy. So. Yeah. Well, you so probably that, have that's good in that scenario. Some feelings yeah, against they, Mike Riley yourself. Because he switched the culture from uh, you know the three back to the throw it around, which well, that's Nebraska Bill Callahan. people love it. Oh, Callahan before Yeah, Riley. Callahan, then you got Pelini, who, you know, whatever, yeah. and then Mike Riley and now Scott Yeah, Pelini liked to run it, so. Yeah. 
So the other scenario uh, is if you would have said yes to seeing something and having to have it. I, Bobby Bethard, San Diego Chargers GM, have decided that this half-in, half-out garbage of trading up one spot for a quarterback is soft. If we are going to sell the, far sell the farm, we are moving up to one and having the choice of Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Any GM that trades up one spot to still not have the opportunity to take exactly who you want is a sucker. I know I'd never do anything like that, especially for a guy that is synonymous with a part of nature that isn't even pretty, even when the fall comes around. There you go. I mean, not big into leaves. San Diego would take Peyton Manning after almost literally having to trade the farm, being the first team one year ahead of New Orleans with Ricky Williams to trade an entire draft for one player, moving up for Manning two spots and giving the Colts their first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. Can I raise my hand and ask a question, please? What would make in this scenario – since Eli was drafted by the Chargers. Uh, but, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, plus their first-round pick the following year. So an entire draft plus the first-round pick the following year. Manning would struggle with little to no talent around him offensively. Charlie Jones, Jeff Graham, and Brian still not nearly what he would eventually have in Indianapolis. And when tw 2004 came around and the Chargers were questioning whether they could continue with Peyton or not, Eli Manning would be the top pick in the draft and never force his way out of San Diego, instead wanting to better the Manning name and revitalizing the Chargers so the Mannings would not be thought of as bus in the Bay Area. But they would be, thanks to classic Marty Schottenheimer mismanagement. Eli never making it out of the first round of the playoffs. Phil Rivers' noodle arm getting booed out of New York, much like Chad Pennington's was for the Jets. And everyone lived miserably ever after, except the Colts, who took Keith Brooking with the number three pick to get a strong presence in their linebacking core. And the next year, with what would be the eighth pick from San Diego, would draft Dante Culpepper. And the next year uh, would also uh, see extreme offensive success with Marvin Harrison, later Reggie Wayne and Edger and James to form an even more dynamic version of Indianapolis. Than they had with Manning. Peyton and Dante trading places in history. Culpepper, a first ballot Hall of Famer. And New Think England about won that. two more Super Bowls. No, New England, England doesn't win anything in either of these <laughs> scenarios. That's the thing that you fail to understand, Jay Sandoz. That's part of the beauty of the route tree is you never come out ahead. I'm still confused <laughs> on if Eli and them were going to say no there, why they wouldn't do that with Peyton. That was no, because question. they need to revitalize the Peyton name out in San Diego. I'm just saying with Peyton, why wouldn't they do that? Peyton's a, a stand-up guy. Okay, sure. You know, Eli's I mean, apparently Eli, not. Well, look at his he face. He was raised Just differently. Look at his yeah. face. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was raised differently. Yeah. He went to Ole Miss. What was his, I His face okay. is just so dreary. This is your segment. I just, I'll, Wait, I'll so we had we had Peyton going to Minnesota. No, no, Peyton. Uh, Peyton would go to San Diego. Diego. Okay. Yeah. Wait, who is Dante Culpepper went where? Again? Indianapolis. Indianapolis. So, so Peyton and Dante were the ones that switched. Okay. Dante Culpepper. And so speaking of Minnesota, yeah. I mean that's why I liked Dante coming into it because I got to watch him with Randy Moss for a long time, yeah. and oh, it was it was great there for a couple of years, and then it went really pear shaped really quick. I, now, can you? Imagine Dante Culpepper in that offense. Come on, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Edger, and James. I would contend, and now Peyton Manning was a great quarterback. This Don't may be wrong. aggressive. <laughs> it may be. I would contend. Jake could be ready with the button. Buddy. I would contend that an above average quarterback would could come in with the, the Colts and oh. would have won one Super Bowl. Yeah. No? That's, that's pretty aggressive. Is it? Yeah. So, so what's your definition of above average, I guess? Is, is Dante above average or is he greater than that? Or when he didn't that? have Randy Moss, he wasn't Marvin above average. Harrison. He, but who made Marvin? Marvin may have made – well, no. Peyton did make a lot of bad receivers look good. Austin Colley. Um, Pierre Garçon wasn't bad, but wasn't he from Mount Union? Uh, it, but let me say this, too. The, the, the Colts always drafted to fit Peyton, right? That, that's what – like, yeah. they never did defense. That was the, the yeah. biggest bug. And when I they, love me some Mike Doss. But when they won – Or Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders. Yeah, yeah. I had a Bob when, Sanders when jersey. They, um, he was amazing. But yes. when they won their Super Bowl – if you think about it, so in the playoffs that year, 
the defense got hot when they won their first Super Bowl at the yeah. Indianapolis. I mean, if you looked at the playoffs, I think Peyton had three touchdowns and seven interceptions in those, but the defense got hot. Now, they should have took that and said – hey, let's get more defensive guys. But they yeah. didn't. They, they said, hey, let's get more offensive <laughs> That's guys. what New England did. That's why New England ended up being more successful. That's exactly right. Because um, eventually you do have to stop somebody. You okay. saw what happened, to, and this was later, but you saw what happened to the Colts when Peyton went down. Yeah. And, and well, the year before, I mean, they were – they were a really good team. Look, no one's bashing Peyton. I mean, yeah, it kind of yeah. was, but but I, I think <laughs> for that, a fun scenario, well, it was a for fun sure, I, Peyton Manning is undoubtedly a what top five, top seven, yeah. and worst quarterback in the history yeah. of football. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's no question there. I just think that with the surrounding cast of at least those three, Edge, Harrison, and Wayne. Now they may have not had the consistent success they did over a long period of time. They once Harvey kind of regressed, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's just recap because it is a lot of information at one point. So Ryan Leaf in that second scenario. Uh, what happened to him? I don't even remember. Anyway, Peyton Manning goes to San Diego. Yeah. Ryan Leaf. He goes to uh, Oakland. Or uh, Peyton, Man- uh, Peyton Manning goes to no San Diego, right? Yeah, Peyton but Manning Ryan Leaf went to, went to Oakland, Oakland, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, which yeah, actually probably would have been a great place for him. It, it, it ends up being yes. great. Dante Culpe- yeah, Dante Culpepper goes to Indianapolis and is fantastic. So I think that scenario for everyone except Peyton Manning. Now the Manning name is still what it is because Eli, you know, uh, he goes out there and has some good seasons, Not doesn't win in the playoffs, but has some good years. I still will always be baffled at how So the Mannings go from four Super Bowl wins to zero in this scenario. That's right. Okay. Yeah, Archie so. is, I think, in that scenario, the greatest Manning of all time. Archie. I do like the defense for yeah. the Chargers you throw out there. Right. Yes. Because they were, they, were, yeah, they, were, <laughs> you, they were rocking and rolling. But too. if you put Peyton with LT. Oh, man. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good combo. That's true. And they had, like, Chris Chambers and Antonio Gates. It's a shame it didn't work out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes you think, It does sure. make you think. So, uh, Was Keenan McCardell on that squad? Keenan McCardell. Young, oh, wow. young McCardell before we went. Okay. Yes. All right, there we go. Uh, Austin, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having Austin me. Austin Derrick. Routry. We'll talk to you next Friday. That's the Routry. When we come back, it's uh, – although uh, we, we already had the hot – Take button, and we may have a few more with our bold predictions. So we can only hope. Well, they don't send us in the sidekick right after this on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands free faucets, high performance gas ranges, or low decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were. This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway, he scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation.
Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole. The clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye. For all your printing needs. There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior to making the NBA than Puma? Yeah, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving, no way. I bet he's there until 2025. Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canada. Bold prediction. Oh, 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 the very, very. Oh, 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 oh. oh. The route tree. I'm still. I'm just all your scenarios. So, I, I can't even. Was that not atrocious? Sometimes. Yeah, man. They're just going what fast. Was it, what was atrocious I about that? I, liked, I had to go I get a headache him, pill. No, but I liked him giving uh, uh, Stain Pack getting Woodson because that's something that could have happened. And you look at that defense was something. He he lost me at the Mannings, not demanding the trip. But that's all right. It's his yeah, scenario. Saying that and Dante Culpepper would do better with the Colts. No, I didn't say no. No, I definitely didn't say better. I'm fine. Listen, listen. I would give my hot take of the day. Did I but, say better? Uh, I might I'm not giving. I'll, I'll save that hot take for later. Oh, look, there's got to be information in that segment. And Jake, your hate but... for Marty Schottenheimer was atrocious. Well, Marty, Marty that, was, that was, was clear. Atrocious. That was clear. Postseason coach. I think yeah, he went nice. like 0-6 in postseason games with him. <sighs> he could get him there. That was the thing, right? He got the he Browns. Went like he got the Chiefs. He got the. Uh, he got three different teams to yeah. playoffs. Okay, all right. Don't yeah. call route tree atrocious ever again, or you're never coming on here again, Jacob. All right. All right, we'll call Trey. Okay. Bucks by right. Trey. What was that segment? Bucks by Trey? Oh, well, that was terrible. <laughs> Did you terrible. like – Jacob is sitting terrible. back like, my job is safe. <laughs> yep. All right. Bold predictions. What are the, uh, the, what's the standings before we get going? Oh, yeah, standings. Oh, uh, Mike's still in the lead by one after all's atrocious week last oh, week where no one yeah, got was, anything right. Terrible. Mike, you are terrible. now uh, 5 and 13, batting oh. 278. Well, okay. uh, you're, you're, there's a chance you may get benched. Number two, uh, Jay, you're number two in the standings since there's only two of you. You're four and 14. Or last. Batting uh, 222. All kinds yes. of twos. Okay. So if I'm getting benched, is Jay like the perpetual bench warmer? He's uh, already there. There's or? a chance he's getting uh, sent, sent down to the AAA. Yeah, yeah. Maybe playing yeah. some winter ball in Cuba. I'm, I'm not even a right. defensive replacement. Winter ball at this in Cuba. Point. You get to see yeah. the world. That's Him and John Cuba. Crook. Uh, all right. Well, I can't look like John. That's all right. We're both chubby. 
Other than that, I think that's about where it ends. All right, what do we got with the uh, (laughs) – does that mean you get to go first? Who's going first here? Uh, I think I defer. I get to choose. I defer. Go ahead. Okay, my first one's going to be the ETSU game. I think the Bucs will have over 550 yards of offense. (laughs) I am going a very healthy 200 on the ground and 250 in the air at least. At (laughs) least. That would be 450. I I said 550 of offense. I said at least 200 on the ground, at least 250 in the air. Nice cover, but I don't think you realize that. At least. At least. Uh, I'm going to go, despite what I said earlier about it probably not being a blowout here at William B. Green Jr. Stadium, uh, simply because of the history of ETSU with last year's homecoming game, 16-3 over Albert Morris right earlier this year, 28-7 over Mars Hill. Um, The last year's game was at 31-10 over Limestone. A lot of closer games, quote-unquote closer. Two, three scores isn't necessarily close, but I'm going to kind of go against my original uh, statements earlier in the show, and since it is bold predictions, 28 points or more in the first half for ETSU's mm. offense. So they go at least what they did against Mars Hill in the entire game, 28 or more in the first half alone against Gardner-Webb, which means good things for ETSU. Bold prediction number two for me is going to stay in a Southern Conference. I'm yes. going Chattanooga will beat Wofford and Nick Tiano wow. four touchdown passes. Nick Tiano and chat to beat Wofford, but the four touchdown passes by Nick Tiano is my bold prediction. The big bounce back week for Nick Tiano and Chattanooga. That is shocking that you are aiding and abetting Chattanooga in any It's way. because it helps ETSU be undefeated in the league by themselves. Bigger still. picture. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm going uh, college football at the FBS level, and I nearly went Arkansas over Alabama. I thought better of it. I'm going to go out west and do a similar-sized upset. UCLA is going to take down Washington for their first win under Chip Kelly. Uh, It's the Hall of Fame celebration this weekend. Big, big, uh, glorious, momentous occasion for UCLA. Chip Kelly can't be this bad of a coach, can he? I, I'm just – I feel like – and this is what I was talking about last week with Northwestern, and granted that didn't work out, but Pat Fitzgerald always seems to find a way to get to six, seven, eight wins, sometimes a lot better. Two of the last three years he's gone to ten wins. Chip Kelly can't be this awful, can he? I mean, it seems hard to believe. He can. Jacob's not there. Well, I don't know why where I'm expecting Jacob to say anything. Is this well, his first I or think second it's, year there, It's Chip more Kelly? of – it's his first year, but it's more about first what year. Jim Mora left there, I think. Yeah, it's, more well, more it's very different system. Now, right? I think yeah. the – what's the line, like 21 and a half on this yeah, game? So that would least. be a massive upset. UCLA hasn't even really been in a game this year. So I'm going way out on that limb, way out to the ledge. I'm walking the ledge in the Buccaneer Sports Network. Well, and, and I'll see if you guys – if this will count as a bold prediction or not. But I was going to go the Virginia Tech hokey hokey high by 10 points or more, a double-digit win. I think they're over a touchdown underdog at home. I'm going more than 10-point victory over Notre Dame at oh, home. Yes, I love it. Notre Dame, I just can't So that stand. is my third and love final the home bold state. prediction. Yeah, Jacob will love that prediction. Uh, I'm going with uh, NFL. This is very regional as well, same state we're in. I have been supremely disappointed with Derrick Henry, who I put a lot on the line with this year. I think I have him in every fantasy league. Uh, and Derrick That's bold. Derrick Henry, uh, I traded Julio Jones for him in one league, as we oh. talked about earlier, th- earlier this week or was it last week? That was this was. week. That was this it's week. a dynasty league, was, so I get to keep him for yeah. very cheap next year. So there's, it's a little bit defensible. I'm kind of building for the future because yeah. the team looked terrible. I had mm-hmm. auto-draft, yeah, sure. et cetera, et cetera. So Derrick Henry has 163 yards on the ground all year long. I think against Buffalo, he goes 163 or more. I'm Ooh. doubling down on Derrick Henry. 163, I like Look, he, he's too good of a back 
I mean, he's fast, he's big. I think Derrick Henry is not going to have this year be the final that he's Was there anything on the outside of short all time? Was there any other thing that didn't make the cut? You were thinking about going bold Just Arkansas, make the Alabama, cut. that was it. I was going to go yeah. Pat Mahomes and another three interceptions, so I'm just going to stick with that until it happens. <laughs> <laughs> you might be waiting a while. He looks pretty good. By the way, uh, I did win last night's Jacob, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. Josh Gordon tying Chad uh, Johnson for as many touchdowns as the Patriots. Blah, blah, blah. That's right. Blah, blah, That's right. Blah, there we go. Blah. Another, another dub for me. How terrible is Indianapolis? <laughs> Poor Andrew. Actually, honestly, if people catch the ball, it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. All right, that'll well. do it. Santos and the sidekick. Uh, we're back Monday recapping the weekend that was in ETSU athletics, especially the homecoming game, Gardner-Webb and ETSU. Don't forget, SoundCloud, iTunes. You can subscribe. We'll be back Monday with another edition of Sandos and the sidekick. This has been a production of the Buccaneer Sports Network.